like I would like to I would like to ask billionaires if they know the birthdays of their children. Actually, they ain't even got to be billionaires. If we're being honest, my daddy still thinks my birthday is on the wrong month. <laughs> Every time he says happy birthday, uh, a month late. <laughs> late, that's even worse. And I love him still. <laughs> I love my daddy, but that man is aloof. <laughs> Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. So, what story are we doing this week? Oh, amazing. I thought you'd never ask. All right, call back later. <gasps> you guys, this week we're talking all about King Ahab's death. Ooh, welcome to another episode of Bible <laughs> Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And joining me another week... Another holy week. La Clara NYC. How are you? Hello, beautiful. How well, well, Missy. Missy. Well, well. <laughs> we got things to talk about. <laughs> and no, Bible babes, those kisses weren't directed to you. They were directed towards La Clara's new little pair of smackers. Yeah. I just got my lip injections on today. Okay, uh, Clara, edit some applause for you. Okay. They're a little bit swollen. They're not supposed to be that bulky, but I literally had it done three hours ago. I love them. So. Oh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I did not, we talked about this before we started the show. Yeah. I didn't expose her or like <laughs> out her. You know how people dead name uh, people? No, I, I, I asked her if we could talk <laughs> about it because you're wearing a red lip. And I'm all yeah. about addressing things. Like, I don't ever like to just pretend like things don't exist, mm -hmm. you know? But they look so good, Clara. Thank you. They will look better in a week, maybe. Oh, I love. When the swollen goes down. But yeah. I love. I am all about, you know, doing stuff to uh, plastic surgery, cosmetic stuff, procedures. I'm all for grown women using their grown coin Mm -hmm. to enhance or do whatever makes them feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident. You know what I'm I saying? I agree with you. Emphasis on grown women, you know? Emphasis on grown women, yeah. Because I already told there are a bunch of TikTok girls that are like 18, 19, 20, 21 getting Botox. I know. They look older than, they, they, they keep on calling it preventative. Preventive, yeah, but mm, no uh, need. Preventative wear, preventative baby Botox is what they call them. First of all, another reason why women in their 30s are just like grown ass women should can or should be the ones encouraged to do it is because A, they can afford it. Like in my early 20s, I didn't, I couldn't afford getting Botox. Mm. I could barely afford my energy bill, my rent, let alone getting my face paralyzed. Most importantly, I think when you're in your 20s, you should have different priorities. Like you're still trying to figure out who you are. On your 30s, however... You have figured it out. And now, okay, you can correct a little bit here. You can do this a, a little bit there. And it's not going to affect you or it shouldn't affect you um, psychologically. Like to me, there's a huge difference between doing a little enhancement, the same way that people wear brackets to straighten their teeth. Oh, braces. Braces mm -hmm. when it's n not needed, like 
some cases, like my teeth, watch, this is the next shit I'm going to be doing. But The next thing is teeth? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you cannot have good. <laughs> you guys make us rich. The first bag, because we know Cardi B told us that teeth are, I don't even listen to Cardi B, but like Cardi B, shout out to Cardi B, Dominican. Hey, hola, mi reina, mi paisana, la Cardi. <laughs> Anyways, she said that fake teeth, very expensive. It a is. Good, a good set of teeth. It is, but it's worth it though. Oh, one done well. Yes. Again, but one done wrong so bad. But that's the same as anything you do, especially on your face. If you like, if y'all want a tip, wait a little extra, save a little bit extra and do it with a, a surgeon. Do it with someone that knows what they're doing. Because research, research. Do research. Like this place that I went to, I've been following for them for a whole year. Checking everything, every pe person tagging them, making sure they didn't fuck up anyone. And they're like, I just loved every single picture that they posted up on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like there's places that I follow that I, they do good jobs too. But sometimes you see a picture every now and then it's like, mm, this looks a little too ducky yeah. or too like, yeah. This place, I love every single picture. It's super natural results. Like that's you know, what I'm looking for. Oh God, it breaks my heart every time I see... Because I see them on my TikTok for you page. I don't know why they're uh, tracking me. <laughs> but uh, um, botched surgeries and botched procedures and stuff. Botched, a, Como que meaning that they... Salieron mal. Yes, exactly. They turned out poorly yeah. or under their like projections, I guess, <laughs> in quality, in terms of quality. And it makes me so sad, especially with like the BBL oh. craze. I was wondering, like 30 years from now, is the BBL body going to be how we look at like 80s implants? Most likely. Most likely. You because, know? Because trends you, change. Trends change and BBL, it doesn't look natural. Like the same way that in the 80s or early 90s, Pamela Anderson had her boobs done. And yes, it's a bigger pair of boobs. And but it doesn't look natural. And now you have these amazing surgery that makes bigger boobs, but look super natural, you know? Mm -hmm. So BBL now it's the Pamela Anderson version of that. That's my opinion. Like mm -hmm. I'm sure that it will evolve to a point where you can achieve the same result, bigger boobs or like bigger, but smaller Some waist. Some BBLs do look natural too. Like, and I'm like, I'm hoping that that's what was intended, but I've been seeing a lot of BBLs. Uh, I'm seeing the the surgery evolve the more people are doing it. And in my head, I'm like, that's so much pain. Did you know that one in every 3,000 BBLs, one patient dies? <gasps> dies? Dies. It's Ooh. the highest mortality rate for plastic surgery. Some doctors don't even do it. Wow. Yeah, it's what because, is it? Like what I'll tell you exactly what it is. Um I mean not exactly. Uh Prianda <laughs> Science. <laughs> I'm not a surgeon and I'm not a doctor and I'm not qualified to talk about it, but I'm gonna talk about it anyways. But uh this doctor on TikTok said that the reason why it's one of the plastic surgeries with the highest mortality rate is because the whole procedure is actually transferring fat from one part of your body to another. And when you're puncturing uh the buttocks area which is like the biggest that you have some of uh, uh the most like vital veins in that mm. area if you puncture a vein then fat can go all the way skyrocket up to your heart you have a stroke then and there oh my god yeah 
<sighs> yeah, that's why. That's why. Uh, and those with those odds, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I will stick with my mm-hmm. mid body. Yeah, <laughs> like, me too. And by mid, I don't mean mid. I like my body, but I'm just saying. No, so yeah, I'm, I'm more of a face. I agree with girl. that. Like, <laughs> I I would never. I cannot speak for other people. I can only speak for what I like. My boundaries are. Um. To me, if going through that procedure is going to give you chances to die, to me, it's not worth it. Mm. To me, it's not worth it. And if you are at a place where you feel like you need it, by that I'm not saying don't do it, but uh, like do a lot of research. Like, I don't know, like if you really, really, really feel like you need that to accept yourself, work on your brain towards accepting yourself because to me like even like I just had my leaps done but I didn't need it you know like I was perfectly fine without it but hey I like it and these wears off these I'm not under the the knife like I'm not putting my life at risk just to look a little bit whatever you know what I mean but hey that's my point of view yeah I'm sure there's people that are completely against every type of procedure good for you like don't do it then like you're totally entitled to your opinion and there's people that are pro doing everything as long as you're safe and you make sure that you're you know like checking where you doing good for you too uh hi tangy not hi tangy and i swear we're gonna get into the show if you guys don't want to listen to our preamble before the show i have timestamps for you guys go ahead and get to the timestamp. Mm-hmm. anyways back to what we were talking about <laughs> more <laughs> pressing matters uh plastic surgery um recently I had a aggressive Bible babe leave a comment on like something five episodes ago, six episodes ago. And you and I, Clara, a lot of what we talk about, especially at the top half is what I'm wearing or Mm -hmm. like we, we do, I'll say maybe it's, I'll admit that we do put a little bit of a spotlight on the physical and we talk about, you know, being bloated or whatever, yada, 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 whatever have you. He said, he, the comment said, Oh, for Christ's sake, could you just, could you stop talking about what you're wearing and get to the effing story is what this man said. I have a response for this And hold, oh, and hold, let, I might get fired. If I, no, wait, hold on. Wait, actually, I do want to hear it, Clara. When, and actually I didn't see that he had wrote, written that, but I did get a DM from him later. Cause remember that my mental health episode and I spoke about how, you know, I've mm-hmm. had, I, you know, uh, insomnia, body image issues and whatever. And he actually DM'd me after being like, hey man, sorry about that comment. I didn't know that I had, but here's the thing. I had already responded something really sassy to the comment. Sorry, but I accept your apology. I really do. No, no tough feelings, no hard feelings. You apologized after. And I really do rock with that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, But I want to address it though, because I'm, I'm sure that there are other people who feel the same way, but they haven't said anything. Mm. And I just want to say, this is a place where you and I can be creative. We put out a free show, a free show online mm-hmm. where only, and I'm not saying only, I'm very, very happy for our 18 patrons that pay and help support and whatever, like by the Gwen Bible Stories, uh, Patreon here, the URL. Thank you very much for that. Patreon.com forward slash Bible Stories if you want to support us. Anyways, <laughs> and 
I have to say the gall of someone to say, hey, speed up this free show with this high production value so that we, you, we can get to what I want to see, what I want to do. It reminded me of that, um, that news reporter, that Fox News lady who told LeBron James when he spoke out about something, she said, shut up and dribble. What? He basically shut up and dribbled me on my own show mm -hmm. that that we spent too many hours on cutting, making, scripting, making it look this way. And you come every week mm -hmm. to say to have the gall to say, for Christ's sake, could you stop talking by wearing and get to the effing story? Like the to even go ahead and type that in public and publicly post that on the internet. I just thought the gall. This man just told me to shut up and dribble. And now I want to talk about my eyelashes and lip filler some more. Mm -hmm. I have two things to say, though, to this person. One, respect for addressing. because And respect, and also, I think it teaches everybody a lesson. You may see, oh, this girl's talking about her outfits and this and this and that. You don't know what this girl is going through. You don't know if that helps her with whatever she's going through. And you have a timestamp on the comments where you can skip straight to the point that matters to you. Okay. Second, this show is about the Bible. Is, a, is you explaining the Bible, but it's you explaining the Bible. Meaning there's parts of you and who you are as a person that are going to be part of this show. You care about your outfits. You care about how you feel with your body image. And that is something that I'm very, very grateful that you share with everyone else. And hey, we do put a timestamp because I understand this is not for everybody. And fair yeah. enough. There's people that tune in just for the Bible. Fair enough. You don't have to listen to our crap. Mm -hmm. Go straight to a timestamp. But you don't know what this person's yeah. going through. And second, like, you cannot expect this show to not have part of you. And matter of fact, third, Ooh. we're trying hard, hard to get people to go and watch the YouTubes. Yeah. For you to explain your outfit every episode on audio helps the people. Oh, let me, the, the people that's just listening. Oh, let me just tune in and check and see or, or whatever. Exactly. So like there's, there's a, a strategy a of things that's going on here besides, oh, let me just talk about my pink dress today. No, honey. There's like a lot of things that involve strategy, involve personal like self-esteem or whatever mm -hmm. involves sharing part of who you are as a person and being more like approachable like closer to your um listeners which is mm -hmm. also one of the big pillars that you want mm -hmm. from this show to be approachable and close to your mm -hmm. listeners so and hey there's a timestamp quickly past this we have a listener gift listener gift again i currently have a godiva box um, so I know it's chocolate. Good. Time. And oh, by the way, guys, come to the YouTube channel and check me out. I look like a trippy ballerina, uh, tulle pink situation. I don't know. What, what would you describe this as, Clara? Uh, a fairy. Oh, a fairy. Yeah, you look like a fairy. Ah! Give me ground coffee. Okay. Oh, Godiva. I didn't even know they made coffee. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got some. Oh, what's this? Oh, wow. Oh, oh, this is so, who, it's the James. Thank you, James. James, thank you. He's like our, one of our number one Bible babes. He's mm -hmm. been supporting since Super Trip Talk, my old show. Woo! 
fire off a photo here of Super Trip Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a listener ask me, oh, this is so sweet. Thank you, James. We love you. I We're going to share this with the house. Thank you. Some chocolate. That. I love you, Bible. Oh, there's more chocolate. Oh, that. my God. Jeez, the waste. James, we're trying to lose weight. I know. What the heck? Thank you, but. Lord, um, <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, I'm so appreciative. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it's really Carmel. Cool. Um, someone was like, Brie, you know, you your last brand was a psychedelic, you know, weed. You guys know I'm pro weed as a medicine and all that jazz. Um, but someone said, how do you think that falls in line with the Bible and what you, what you talk about? And I literally, I mean, there are a number of ways, there are a myriad of ways that I could go about answering Mm -hmm. this. The first thing is I cannot erase my past. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I I wish I could scrub my past from the internet, but I unfortunately cannot, nor do I want to. Mm -hmm. It's a part of my testimony. Mm -hmm. Do I do psychedelics like I used to? No, I like Terrence McKenna, pop pop up here, Clara. Terrence McKenna is a huge psychedelic advocate. Everyone who's a psychonaut knows who he is and I love him. Uh, he said psychedelics is a young man's sport. And I kind of agree with that. The older I get, I, I don't really want to play Russian roulette with a psychedelic mm-hmm. anymore. Um, but who knows, man, that uh, I, I microdosed for a year and I may go back actually. I'm not even kidding. I may. Wow. And it was the uh, most most easeful year that I've had in a really long time since living in New York. So I know that there's medicine to it. I just don't want to promote it because I could never be held responsible for someone misusing, you know, it. And I, there has to be an, a responsible, it would be irresponsible of me not to, to not to say that. And mm. I don't want to be held to that standard. And also not everybody responds to it the same way. You may have... have if you have an agitated psychosis and you start messing around with psychedelics, it could be the kiss of death for you and I don't want that blood on my hands. And I... And I, I I got to be honest, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of like ventured away from that, even though people that I do intimately talk to, I speak very openly about it. And another thing, I am not a pastor. I am not trying to be. I am trying to be a sister, a friend. And I'm going to talk openly. I'm going to leave some swear words in. You know, I'm trying to Mm -hmm. swear less, but I'm not going to scrub myself for the show. It's not happening. What is it with people in entertainment? And they're, you don't want to call it like followers, but listeners or whatever, like people that, well, they are followers. They follow whatever work you do. What is it with them always? And we make the same mistakes, I'm sure, with bigger celebrities, but like always thinking of them as you're a reference for the rest of us. No, you're here to entertain you're not an example. You're not to be an example of perfection or, you know, whatever. You're here to entertain. You can do as better as you can because, you know, you you have uh, influence over, like, a certain amount of people. I think it's that. Yes, but, yes, but you're a human being and you're not... The tr- internet doesn't see that, you're not tr- you yeah, You're not trying to yeah. set up an example of how... a. a, a 20 something year old woman is supposed to do look and act yeah we we all make the same mistakes like i'm sure i've done that with bigger celebrities too like "Ah." like hey they're human beings like clara they're entertaining what you're saying is accurate now add another there's an it's a layered discussion Mm. but then on top of that the brand is the Bible. So like it, could you imagine 
if um, give me, let's say uh, uh, Oprah, Oprah, someone who has had a past and whatever, but like has since rebranded to be this, you know, really philanthropic like woman who's super soul Sundays, you know what I'm saying? Super mm -hmm. spiritual. She can't be seen around getting plastered at restaurants and whatever because of her brand. Key. She cannot be seen around. If you were micro, she hides it. If you okay. were microdosing right now or abusing psychedelics oh, right now yeah. and trying to sell a different brand, yes, it's conflictive because you're not acting what you preach. Yeah. But if that's part of your past, as long as you are making sense with what you're doing today, that's part of your past. And if anything, it should show how much you have uh, learned or improved on your faith journey if you want to call it like yeah. that or yeah. how much faith has helped you even to be a more uh, whatever decent or, or more like yeah adult functioning person for sure you know what i mean so i still don't think that there's i don't see i you because you're saying like i could easily go back home and like douge my face in or not i don't want to drown my face in anything um <laughs> but like smoke a J or something, whatever have you. Like, I do want to be open about that though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Even though I'm not doing it on the mic, I don't want to be fake. I know, but <laughs> like, know? like I'm saying, you also drink alcohol. Yeah. And it's not like, but what I'm saying is the brand, right? Your former brand was promoting psychedelics and your trips and, and all of that. This current brand is promoting the Bible, right? So how one brand with the other may be or not conflictive, you're not living a life that is promoting <gasps> psychedelics right now, that you may smoke a joint or have a glass of wine or whatever. Yes. Hi, Tangie. This reminds me of Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne the God had the most like drastic brand change I have ever seen. And we're all just going with it, I guess, because he's very successful now. He went from being the world, like the radio's darkest, like troll, not skin, dark skin. But I mean, he did have dark pigmentation on his face and I don't know where that went, but money, money. Uh, but no, like he just used to be really crass and vulgar and super like people used to get scared. Yeah. Mm. And now he is a spokesperson for mental health awareness and going Going to therapy and if and anything isn't it that good change. that your brand has changed from promoting psychedelics to promoting the bible For if sure. anything if it was all the way around i we might have a problem you know like you girl we, we're losing her <laughs> but hey you should be happy y'all that this brand is following you know bigger steps and heck know, yeah people Greener just want to have fine problems everywhere before we hop into the story, I already said Patreon, but also let's do a little plug for Horrible Decisions. They're going on tour. She, uh, we, you know, one half of Horrible Decisions, uh, W, what, do I always say this? Wheezy WTF. Uh, she is one half of Horrible Decisions. She's going on tour and Claire put the flyer there. You guys will have missed their New York City tour date because it's this Friday when we're recording um, or Thursday, but uh, she's going to, they're going to three or four other cities and make sure you catch them, support them. She's changed my life, our life. She's incredible. Love her to death. And now, let's get into this week's story. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Obviously, we're going to be talking about King Ahab's death, but I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of that title because there was so much going on. I was like, should I put King Ahab's death and also Prophet Elijah's death and also Queen Jezebel's death? Like, I didn't know who to pick. But because Elijah's my favorite, I mean, 
because Elijah's my favorite. I did him last week. So this week I was like, let me take the spotlight off Elijah and put it on the evil, evil King Ahab. Okay. So we're going to be talking about first Kings, uh, chapters 19 to 22. We're going to finish it off. But because I love the Bible babes so much, Mm -hmm. I'm also going to add a bonus (laughs) chapter from the book of second Kings. Mm -hmm. And it's the update on Queen Jezebel, because I know that after this episode, if I didn't mention what happened with Queen Jezebel, y'all would have been like, but but what happened with that? What happened? You know what I'm saying? So this is a Bible stories with Brianda remixed kind of Bible party study situation. You know what I'm saying? So where we left off in last week's episode, Clara, last week's episode, is that Elijah at Mount Carmel had a major showdown, killed over 400 of Baal prophets. Mm -hmm. And we know that Queen Jezebel was raised by the God that was Baal. She was a pagan woman. She did not believe in Yahweh. You know, she literally worshiped the enemy God. So when King Ahab informs his wifey about what prophet Elijah had just done at Mount Carmel, she was fuming mad and she said, we got to kill him. We're killing Elijah. And that's where I left off on last week's episode. So this week, we are going to hear what happens after. Obviously, mm-hmm. Prophet Elijah flees. He runs off because uh, Queen Jezebel sends a message to him being like, oh, she's about to kill you. So he ends up leaving. And Prophet Elijah is so sad and depressed. This man, if we know from last week's episode, has been through so much where he has had to literally prove, well, not really prove, but demonstrate the Lord's power to and sovereignty to people who didn't believe in him. That must be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And like I said, let's not confuse prophets for supernatural, superhero, Batman. No, these prophets are men at the end of the day. They experience doubts. They experience fears. So, like I said, he runs off into the wilderness and he is so sad. He ends up asking the Lord, you know what, Lord? I want to die. I'd rather die. What? Yeah. Let me get into some scripture so we have a little bit more context because this is some deep stuff, okay? So uh, let's hop into 1 Kings uh, chapter 19 verses, verses 4 to 8. But he himself went to a day's journey went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. Ooh, let me say that one more time. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched prophet Elijah and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. So at this point, you're hearing 
prophet Elijah cry out to the Lord. He was in such a season of life where he was hungry, lost, afraid, alone. Gosh, have you been there? And you're just like, I'm just tired of living at this point. Just like, because even if he didn't even want to die, like just that, that like, oh, just what is even left? Mm. At this point, I don't know if you remember from last week, like Elijah had also said like, I'm tired of being the only one that like believes in you. The only one that believes in you. You remember Obadiah? Obadiah believed in the Lord, but depression sometimes has you thinking that it's only happening to you. You are the only person mm. in this planet who experiences sadness. That's what depression does sometimes. And it's so great because my relationship with God, and I'm sure like other Bible readers, if you hear it, like it teaches us that like we're not that special. <laughs> you know, I, let me let me play that back. Like we're not that special. We're small. We're a small aspect of this. And to think that this sadness in this season is going to last forever and you'll never overcome it, it's almost like a little self-indulgent. A little dramatic. A little dramatic too, you know? But that's what happens when you're sad. That's what happens when you can't pay your rent. That's what happens when you're hungry. That's what happens when you're in a toxic relationship. That's what happens when you start your eating disorder again. That's what happens with addiction, right? You feel like there's no way out. You feel lonely too. Yeah. Like, I mean, this hole and... and yeah. But then the Lord, at this point, the Lord doesn't even say anything yet and sa- gives him food, provides him food with enough food so that actually Elijah goes 40 days, 40 nights fasting, no food. After that moment where he gives him enough food, enough enough strength, enough confidence to walk for, uh, to Horeb, which is a, quite the walk. Elijah manages to use that sustenance to y, y le dura esos 40 días. Like, mm. and he makes that, and it reminds me of obviously when's the last time we talked about 40 days, 40 nights, 40 days and 40 nights is a very common number. The Bible is very kind of poetic in the way it uses mm. numbers. We know, um, in the, uh, new Testament book of Matthew, I believe the, the gospel is told by Matthew where we discuss that Jesus goes off and, uh, also fasts for 40 days and 40 nights during his throes of, you know, uh, doubt and kind of like he was wrestling with Satan. You know what I'm saying is essentially what it was. Mm. Of course, Jesus Christ is still sinless, you know, but he was a man. So he experienced, you know, Oh gosh. Could you imagine? Be- I cannot wait to talk about the new, the new Testament, which we will guys, we're already behind schedule. Um, for my patrons, if you want to hear more about the gospel is told by Matthew, which you guys know from our end of the month zoom, I want to talk about hit me up on the discord and we can chat about what I just discussed. But, um, I, I wanted to say again that the Lord appears to Elijah. So after he makes it to Horeb, he ends up hiding at, in a cave, Elijah mm-hmm. and a message from the Lord comes to Elijah and it, and the message says, what are you doing here? Could you imagine what? being Elijah being like, boy, if you don't know, I'm kidding. Elijah would never, um, but like, could you imagine being Elijah after like trekking for 40 days, 40 nights? And then the Lord asks him, what are you doing here? I'm trying not to kill myself. Okay. <laughs> what, what is going on? You know, he, the Lord asks him this twice. Clara. And, oh, this is good for you, Clara. Um, Oh, I'm so excited. So this is a perfect note for the Bible readers listening. Anytime the Lord or a man of God or angel of the Lord uh, asks someone a question, when the Lord asks us a question, Mm -hmm. what do we think he means and why does he do it? Clara? What type of question? I don't know. Any question. I don't know. I'll tell. Okay. No, it's fine. Good. 
I don't know is For the once, best thing. I don't have an answer. <laughs> exactly. No, but Clara, that's the best answer you could have is I don't know. Seriously. We don't, we should all be utilizing that one <laughs> a little bit more often, if I'm being honest. Uh, if we remember Bible babes, and if we have to pause the episode now, Clara, pause it and put some thinking music. Do it. But um, do you remember what other time the Lord showed up to someone, a biblical character, and asked them, what are you doing here? Where are you going? Do y'all remember? No. I'll tell you now, Clara, you weren't with us at this time. Oh. This is back in the book of Genesis. <laughs> You're off the hook, bitch. <laughs> but um, uh, the Lord shows up for Hagar. Remember Hagar, guys? The um, the third, the, the threesome between Abraham and Sarah. Uh, he, the Lord presents himself in front of Hagar and he says, where are you? Where do you come from? Where are you going? When the Lord asks us a question, it's not that he doesn't know. What would be the point of sovereignty if our father didn't know? He asks us questions so that we can answer them for ourselves. Mm. So to make we, you think. To make you think. Uh, yeah. Mm. But to make you feel, to make you dig, mm. to make you be honest with yourself. Because if you lie to yourself in your own journal, you're a psychopath. You know what I mean? Like you can't lie to God. So the more he asks, and he asks twice, and I think that's indicative of repetition. And sometimes the Lord presents questions multiple times because that's how we are hardwired. Mm. We hear the questions, we know the answer, and we still do the negative thing anyways. Mm. Repeat and repeat. After a while, when you're obeying God and like, or obeying whatever spiritual practice that fits right for you, you know, after a while, you can't keep fooling yourself. You can't keep lying in your journal. Mm. You know, so I, I thought that was really uh, um, interesting. Let's hop into some scripture so that the Bible babes uh, know a little bit more about how the Lord came to Elijah in a whisper. So we are going to go to First Kings chapter 19, verses 9 to 14. I may skip around. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And even I only am left. Remember what I was talking about? And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. <laughs> and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. He repeats himself. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. He repeats himself again. And 
Gosh, that's so special. And I have something to add here. And unfortunately, I didn't memorize it, but only because I pulled it from my files for myself. <laughs> so no one, okay, hi, Tangie on Brianda. I keep hi, uh, files on people. Yep. Every tell time. them, tell them. <laughs> no, tell every, them what you do. I know, but it's embarrassing. Tell okay, them. no one, only my personal, only people that I'm intimate with know this about me. Please don't, should I even share? Okay, don't judge me for this. I sh we'll edit this out if I don't want it in, okay? Sure. Uh, but for now, I have files. Oh my God, I want to cry. But anyways, because it's embarrassing. I have files for, it really is, files for people. And I say it because I've been called out on it. They don't, so this dude in a room was like, that's freaking weird. I hold, I keep um, notes on things and I've been having it, I've been doing it for the last nine years where uh, if someone says something that memorable, whether I hear it on a YouTube video or a person or at a Starbucks, it doesn't matter who you are, you'll get a files. Um, Clara has a files. It's called the Clara files. Wheezy has a file. It's called the Wheezy file. My mom has a file. It's called the whatever. My nieces have them even, and they're not even 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? A everyone can get these files. Okay. And I took a files over the notes in preparation for today's episode. And it, I want to read it. Mm -hmm. Can you um, say who's it with? Uh, who's it from? Uh, no, no, this is a files. This is like a Brianda file. Okay. I started a Brianda files in 2019. Cause I was like, okay. but that's a cool way of like keeping track of like things that call your attention or make you think mm -hmm. that's like, I actually wanted to start that not for personal, not for people in general, but like one file with like interesting things that made me think for yourself. Yeah. So that whenever I had the time, I'll go back to it and then give it, a think. It's like, really cool. And for anyone who like does art or like, so I, I told you I write songs or I write scripts, you know, I'm selling mm -hmm. shows now. Like I literally, whenever I'm at a place of, I don't know what to write. I just have to pull up my files and I know what to write. It's really mm -hmm. kind of cool. It's like a, like a hijack. I almost feel like I'm cheating, but I'm really not because no, I wrote it. It's part of your life. So, um, to get back into the story, guys, when that moment of the Lord and Elijah, and I swear we're going to move along with the story, I just think it's really important. And I want to share something from my Brianda files. Uh, and it's, it involves when the Lord came to Elijah again in a whisper. Um, sometimes we need to be so intimately close with God that we hear his voice in the storm, but do not confuse him for the storm. Pin in that. Because if we can recall in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, uh, verse 11, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not the wind, remember? But the Lord was not the earthquake, but the Lord was not the fire. You know, it, it repeats that. The Bible is very methodical in that way and it's very intentional. And so I thought, Sometimes we need to be so intimately close with God that we hear his voice in the storm, but it's important not to confuse him with the storm. Maybe a part of enduring a difficult season requires us to be as still and quiet as possible while we are surrounded by the chaos. How do we cancel out the chaos so that it doesn't sweep us into its madness or into a toxic relationship or into addiction? How do we create order within the chaos? We gotta be quiet and still enough ourselves to even receive those insights. And, and uh, processing those insights takes time. Like, I'm sure what I'm saying here is falling on deaf ears, but for those that it does land on, I think it's important to, like the power of stillness and the power of like, 
being still in chaos, kind of like um, chaos. There was something that Jordan B. Peterson said about purpose, and he was like, it's about finding order in chaos. And it was just so deep, you know. Anyways, I may be getting to, oh, did the edible kick in? <laughs> Anyways, uh, let me know your thoughts on that in the comments, guys, because I'm a little curious. I want to hear what people have to say about that, um, especially coming out of a really dark season. Mm -hmm. Or I'm still, I'm, I'm coming out of it, guys. Coming I'm out, coming yeah. on up, you know. Da -na 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 -na. That is a wrong song. But my heart is set on you. <laughs> wrong song, guys. <laughs> wrong song. <laughs> ah! Cut that. That little... Clara, it takes me so long to come up with these things. <laughs> I know. Well, you do a great job, though. Um, well, I can't wait to get writers or like a team. I need a team. I can't keep doing this on my own. Pero Soon, honey. Con this, Soon. Con calma, because I still con got calma. other things. Con calma. Is that the song? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that song. Um, now that Elijah has heard the Lord's whisper, the Lord instructs Elijah on what he is to do. Because like we said, it's not just about becoming aware of things, okay? Because a lot of us are aware of our shortcomings and our circumstances or whatever. But what is that awareness if we're not doing actionable things to uh, alter the circumstance that we're in? You know what I'm saying? Like awareness can only get you so far. And in this circumstance, the Bible kind of tells us how important it is to do things you need to do things to help God. <laughs> like God has a plan for you, right? There's only, this is a, takes two to tango. You know, how can I help you if you're not putting yourself out in these positions where I can um, um, shower you in the blessings that are, that have your name on it? You got to meet me halfway here. You know, mm. like you have to get up, you have to make, you have to get up. You have to clean your room, throw out the boxes of Popeyes in your room, fold your laundry that's been on your bed for two weeks, babes. Come on. <laughs> so after the whisper, <laughs> it's oddly specific. <laughs> Don't come into my room. Um, <laughs> okay, so the Lord instructs Elijah. And he says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to appoint, um, uh, I think the, the, the guy's name was Haziel. I, I can look it up. Um, I, I don't, I never know how to pronounce it. You guys know I suck at pronouncing things, but he says, um, leave here and go appoint Haziel, king of Syria, Jehu, king of Israel. And Elisha is going to be the prophet that succeeds Elijah. I know it's going to be confusing. I know it's going to be confusing. Oh, gosh, I know. Let's hop into some scripture and then I'll give you guys a nice little hack to remember those two names. Okay. We're going to go into first Kings chapter 19 verses 15 to 18. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shephat, of Abel, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall, Je shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Prophecies. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him, which is beautiful. That last chunk is important. Let's not let that um, be swept under the rug. The Lord says, you're going to appoint this person. You're going to appoint that person. And then this is what's going to happen. It'll make sense 
in a couple minutes when I talk about it, because of course he's prophesying. Mm -hmm. But that last part, Elijah had been crying about feeling like the only one. And here he's saying, the Lord is saying, I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal. So everyone who did not worship Baal, 7,000 they're going to be. Elijah, what are you talking about? There were 7,000 people who did not leave me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You're not alone. in Exactly. You're, we're never alone. Mm. It's, it, when it comes to God, we're never alone. It's the most humbling and loving feeling you could ever feel. That's kind of how it feels um, uh, when Alex asked if I was psychotic for hearing the Lord. It's like, it's impossible to feel that way when I've never felt less alone. I feel the most at home, mm. you know? So it was just such a good little moment between the Lord and Elijah, you know? Um, and so obviously that last chunk was really important because Elijah ends up uh, finding Elisha, the next prophet who's going to take his place. I know that's confusing. I know it's going to be like, Elijah, Elisha, they could have chosen a different name. But they didn't. And I have a little hack, a little Bible, Brianda, life hack. So Elijah, Jah, J-A-H, think of Jah rule, Jah. Okay. Now, Elisha, think of Ashanti. Yes. Okay. Oh, baby. Yes. So um, uh, uh, think of Elijah and Ja Rule. Ja is older than Ashanti. Oh. Ashanti, uh, Elisha, she's younger. You, so, honestly, you just made it so much easier. Like, yay! Yes. Cool. The Bible is cool, guys. Grab your Bibles. <laughs> Anyways, so. The, so, so the first order of business, sorry, my, my phone is caught in my tool. Oh, Lord. Oh, the things I do for this show, I tell you, they do not pay me enough for this job. <laughs> Just kidding. Very blessed. Very blessed. Moving right along. So Elisha and Elijah. Elijah sees and he spots Elisha, a young man, right? With his family and doing stuff outside, like dealing with oxen, I believe is what it was. And Elijah goes, come on, kid. You're the next prophet. And he goes, Huh? <laughs> and then Elijah goes, come on, kid. I'll, wait, that's the funniest part because it's so funny because in the in the text, Elisha goes, well, dad, can I go say bye to my mama and my daddy first? <laughs> Which I thought is so funny because so our, our opportunities and our blessings, sometimes it may feel like we're not ready for them. You got to get re- That's why you got to be ready. If you stay ready, there ain't no needing to get ready. You know what I mean? Sure. So that was just a funny little moment that I <laughs> wanted to. Psst. Had to interrupt the show. Are you tired of not knowing what stocks to invest in or even where to begin? Then join the Red Panda Stock Club, started by Ian Dunlap, or as we all like to call him, the master investor, or we know him from his contributions every week with Earn Your Leisure. There are a lot of people talking about investing, but none of them have the track record that Ian has, okay? The proof is in the pudding. He called to invest in Moderna at 43 in April of 2020, and it's currently at 408, which is an 820% return. Listen, once you join the Red Panda Stock Club, here's what you'll get. The four best stocks to invest in long-term, the best entries on the planet, a year's worth of the best companies to invest in, the worst companies to stay away from, 
unlimited access to the Red Panda team for 365 days. And lastly, you also get a weekly meeting from Ian and the Red Panda family every Monday night at 9 p.m. Central after Market Mondays. Listen, are you tired of getting your ass handed to you in the market or simply want to learn where to begin to find all your tools that you'll need? Red Panda is the place for you. Go to joinredpanda.com and enter code BIBLE for 50% off for the first two weeks. After that, it goes up, guys. So take advantage. Please use it. Please use it. Use code BIBLE. Back to the show. And now that we know that Elisha is now training under Elijah, let's zoom out and go back to see what King Ahab's been up to. So King Ahab at this point wants all the land. He is beefing with a couple lands over here, a couple lands over here. And now we're at around chapter 20, 21 of the book of first Kings where King Ahab beefs with Syria and the Syrian king, Ben, Ben Hadad was his name or Ben Hadad. I think it's Ben Hadad. Let's call him Ben. Okay. So Ben and King Ahab end up uh, beefing, but Ben approaches King Ahab and he goes, listen, let me make this easier for you. Cause at this point, Ben's bigger. Ben's got stuff. Ben's got chariots. Ben's got all the horses. But we know in the Bible, chariots are only beneficial for you if you're fighting on pla- on a level plane. Mm-hmm. But if you are a chariot heavy army and you're dealing with a country that's on the mountains and stuff, you're actually at a disadvantage because those chariots are valing nada, really. Mm-hmm. So just uh, be mindful of that uh, for this chapter, but also for other chapters in the Bible when it comes to war and chariots and stuff like that. Um so Ben says, listen, let's keep it, let's keep it amicable. We're going to go to your land. We're going to take your treasures. We're going to take all this stuff. We're going to take your wives and we're going to have your children too. Ben says that to King Ahab. And King Ahab, he's so damn evil. He's so como que, como que, lo, not, I don't even want to call him loco en la cabeza. I don't even know. He's just evil. You know, sometimes you don't even, you know, lack of empathy. Yeah. He goes, okay. One can say that maybe King Ahab wants to be a little diplomatic. He doesn't want to be, you know what I'm saying? He's not consulted the Lord, so he doesn't know what, to, he's directionless. Mm. So at, so you know what King Ahab does, says to Ben? Mm. King Ahab goes, okay, I agree. What? Yep. And then Ben Haydad comes back and he says, oh, by the way, we're actually going to need uh, more land too. And if there's one thing that King Ahab cannot, he, he, take my wife, take my kids, but not my land. He's <laughs> so evil. That's what power does to you. That's it's what power the does. Power it. and the glory and don't care about nothing else, but. Yeah. It's like, I would like to, I would like to ask billionaires if they know the birthdays of their children. Actually, they ain't even got to be billionaires, if we're being honest. My daddy still thinks my birthday is on the wrong month. <laughs> Every time he says happy birthday, uh, a month late. <laughs> late, that's even worse. And I love him still. <laughs> I love my daddy. But that man is aloof. <laughs> Anyways, so um, so then at this point, King Ahab, like I said, he doesn't have the Lord. He doesn't have it. So he goes to his el- the elders and he goes, hey, by the way, 
I had a little uh, conference call with Ben Haydad, and he said he's going to come over and take the land and all that other stuff. And I'm like, how do you guys feel about that? And they went, ah, uh, a bad? Say no. That's not happening. Tell him no. So King Ahab goes, crap. So King Ahab goes and dials Ben Haydad. Hey, um, so I know that I said that, like, you could take my wife and my kids and all their kids, too, and, like, all our treasures and stuff. I know I said that, but, um... I'm going to have to take that back. <laughs> ben Haydad goes, um, I'm sorry. There's no uh, takesie backsies here, you Indian giver. Like, no. Indian yeah, he's literally like, that's not how this goes. Now we're going to get to war. And at this point, you know, Ahab and him start like shooting like, you know, like biblical trash talk. <laughs> um, and then they start a war. They, they end up going to war. But guess what? At this point, the Lord is protecting Israel. And King Ahab defeats Ben-Hadad's army, not once, but twice. Hmm. I know. Wow. I know. The, the, it, you can see that uh, despite all of the abominable actions that King Ahab has done in the sight of the Lord, he still has mercy on him somehow. Or he has mercy on his people, you know, regardless of what it is. We already know what's coming to King Ahab, and we know that it ain't good, okay? Mm -hmm. After Israel defeats uh, Ben-Hadad and, you know, the Syrian army, uh, Ben-Hadad is still not dead. So at this point, Ben-Hadad's servants say, listen, King Ahab, his God is very merciful. So just go back and say, listen, could you spare me? Can you spare my life? Clara, what is going on in that quarter, Clara, yo? This girl just had a, was it a <laughs> phantom spasm? What? Okay, back to what I was saying. So Ben Haydad actually goes to King Ahab and like begs for his life. Let's hop into some scripture for some more context on how the negotiation between Ben Hadad, king of Syria, and King Ahab, king of Israel, went. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 20, verses 30 to 34. I may jump around. And his, his meaning Ben Hadad, servants said to him, Behold, now we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us put sackcloth around our waists and ropes on our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. So they tied sackcloth around their waists and put ropes on their heads and went to the king of Israel. Then Ben-Hadad came out to him, and he caused him to come up into the chariot. And Ben-Hadad said to him, This is what Ben says to King Ahab. The cities that my father took from your father I will restore, and you may establish bazaars for yourself in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. And Ahab said, I will let you go on these terms. So he made a covenant with him and let him go. Wow. Ha! Listen, I have so many things to say, I don't even know. My brain is like firing right now. I don't even know where to start. First of all, King Ahab should not have let Ben-Hadad go. Ben-Hadad was supposed to die because the Lord, remember, the Lord is the one that won of those battles. 
They had they had orders to kill everyone, not just here, take my win, but have leave this little guy to run like, no, you're literally again deceiving and doing what's not right in the sight of the Lord even more. Right. So that's the first thing. But now that that's addressed, I wanted to highlight how good of a negotiator the enemy is. Hmm. The look at because here you hear here you see that. Ben, hey dad, knows exactly what to say to King Ahab in order to like turn him on. Mm. You know, he says, listen, the cities that my father took from your father, he's bringing up the past history. I will restore making promises, right? And you may establish bazaars. I don't know, bazaars. What are bazaars? Un bazaar. Un bazaar. ¿Qué es eso? Un bazaar is like a, como un big market, como un big market, but instead of selling food, they sell like the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul. Like they sell. Oh, yeah. I understand. Okay, cool. Thank you, Clara. Um, for yourself in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria, you know, they make the, the enemy is so smart. Like it, it's just one of those things. And sometimes we can be our own enemies too. Like I know, for example, when I, sometimes I like abuse certain things. Like sometimes I abuse the gym. Sometimes I abuse food. Sometimes I abuse weed, you know? And like, I know the conversations that I have right before I begin to abuse them. I know them because I journal them. <laughs> and they, they, they start out the conversation like, I just really want to get high right now. And I'm going to go do it. Or sometimes like, I just really want to see abs right now and I'll starve myself for two months or something. Like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, well, I think we spoke about this in an episode. The, the enemy knows exactly what to say to get you to stop eating, to get you to, to drink at night by yourself. The enemy's smart and swift. You got to be careful. And in the case of King Ahab, he is a dum-dum. And by dum-dum, I mean unwise. Yeah. The, you see how uh, Ben... Hey, Dad. Mm -hmm. Hey, Dad didn't take shit from him when he was like, hey, no, 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 I'm changing my mind. He took him to war. But now that he's about to die, die, it's like, okay, no, let's like, let's make un trato, let's make a, a deal a covenant, here. A yeah, pact. A covenant, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he, and he does it and he gets away with it too. And that was a big, big mistake. This was such a big mistake. Ooh, what a boo-boo. Because... Elijah ends up going up to King Ahab and saying, boy, what is you doing? God, if I didn't even know you could get this bad, but you, you know what? You know what, Ahab? Your stupidity is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what he says. Sorry, guys. Wrong prophet. It wasn't Elijah, but I know Elijah would have called him dumb anyways. It was another prophet, though. I mean, I, I read so much of the Bible every day. My prophets get mixed up. Sorry. <laughs> but I had to check uh, during our break. It actually was another prophet. And it was a prophet who was in disguise, who approaches King Ahab and um, lets him know, listen, what you did was wrong and you're going to pay for it and it's going to get ugly. Let's hop into some scripture so we can hear what the disguised prophet said to Ahab. We're going to go to 1 Kings uh, chapter 20, verses 38 to 43. I may skip around. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way, disguising himself with a bandage over his eyes. 
And as the king passed, he cried to the king and said, Your servant went out the midst of the battle, and behold, a soldier turned and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. I'll discuss this later. Let me continue to verse 40 of First Kings chapter 20. The king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. Then he hurried to take the bandage away from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have let go of your hand, the man whom I had devoted to destruction, therefore your life shall be for his life and your people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house vexed and sullen and came to Samaria. Now, you guys, I have said a lot here. So this disguised prophet let Ahab know by you letting Ben-Hadad go, you have just completely signed, sealed, delivered what's coming to you. And it's going to be so heinous. It's going to be terrible. And then it also says uh, that King Ahab was vexed and sullen, which in those terms means like depressed and angry. What does a man do when he's upset and sad and mad? Go to his vices, go to the things that he wants. And what does King Ahab want more than anything and love more than anything? Land, power, more power. So you know what King Ahab does? King Ahab gets back to, to his house and he goes, Ugh, who can I annoy now? You, I want your vineyard. So he points to this uh, dude. His name is uh, Naboth. I used to say uh, Naboth, but it's Naboth. Uh, and he goes, hey, man, I want your vineyard. Give me your vineyard. Wow. I want it. You know, he's upset. He's mad. This is him, like, getting drunk, essentially. Like, I want that. And Naboth goes, uh, no. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I give you this, I'm going to be cursed for giving you land. Uh, let's hop into some scripture because this exchange is actually pretty funny. First Kings chapter 20, 21, verses 3 to 4. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said to him. <laughs> For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father. This offended King Ahab so bad. He got so depressed. He was like, dang, I'm the king and not even my people are scared of me. <laughs> Like, wow. Could you imagine? So King Ahab is in bed in his chambers. He's crying in bed. You know, he's got the Popeyes in bed. He's sad. <laughs> he hasn't left. He hasn't showered in five days. He's sad. And all of a sudden, his wife, Queen Jezebel, sees him in bed like, baby, why are you so sad? What's, baby, what's going on? What's going on? I see you sad. How can I help? And King Ahab goes, <gasps> Not the baby. Nobody takes me seriously anymore. They keep calling me stupid and evil. And like, am I that? Like, what? Maybe I am that. She goes, shh, shh, shh. What happened? And the king goes, listen, I went to that guy with the vineyard. asked me to give the vineyard. He said, no, because my father's going to get their narrative and all this other stuff. And she goes, shh, 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 shh. You are a king, baby. Don't you worry. Wifey will get you that vineyard. 
And so you know what this Heffa does? What? She ends up forging a letter using the king's seal, like official seal, Mm -hmm. to uh, um, get these two big old, like they call them like worthless men, but I'm assuming they're just like two big dummies. Okay. Right. Like to uh, they they got the messengers and got the letter. Right. And the letter said that they are to charge Naboth, uh, Naboth, that guy with the vineyard, with a crime and have him killed, stoned <gasps> to death publicly. What? Yep. Look at her. She's a mafia wife. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. She's evil. She's even more evil mm. than uh, than King Ahab. But in you know in biblical times times the kings spoke for the women. So like whatever her crimes are, they're actually his. Oh wow, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Clara, we don't like that. Suck it up. No, we don't. Um. So they end up doing that. They end up charging Naboth with a with a heinous crime, taking him out and stoning him publicly to death. To say no, because he said no to the king. And guess what? Once word got back to Queen Jezebel, hey, Naboth, he's dead like you wanted. She goes and tells baby, baby, there's no problem anymore. So King Ahab goes downstairs and takes his vineyard. Oh, he is a dummy dummy, though. He's a little dumb dumb. Like I said, oh. he's like Homer Simpson, but evil. <laughs> <laughs> when Instead I think, of donuts, he has lands in his. <laughs> exactly, he just has a bunch of land. Mm. Moab, Syria, <laughs> Samaria, like that's him. But it's, um, <clears throat> wow. uh, I swear we're approaching the end of the story. But I told you it was going to be good. But we have to get to his death, King Ahab's death after the whole vineyard ordeal with Queen Jezebel being a mafia wife and like Merkin dudes for her man's word gets back to. Prophet Elijah. And Elijah hears about this. And by the you know that Elijah is old at this point. He is ready to call it a life. You know what I'm saying? But he comes back and he has some last words for King Ahab. And he says, Ooh, I know I've said it before, but now I really mean it. The dogs are gonna eat your dead body. I just wanna let you know that. And not only that, but that of your family too, and Jezebel, they're all done. Let's hop into some scripture because these are fighting words. First Kings chapter 21, verses 20 to 30, verses 20 to 23 is what I meant to say. Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, oh my enemy? He answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up. And will cut off from Ahab every male bond or free. Is that supposed to say tree? I don't know, but I'm angry. In Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and the like of house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, The dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. (laughs) Okay, wait. And so after King Ahab hears this coming from Elijah's mouth, you know King Ahab has witnessed stuff that Elijah has been able to prophesy. Mm -hmm. For the first 
time, King Ahab repents after hearing all this. King Ahab tears his clothes off and repents. And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This time, no, I'm sorry. Anytime he uses the words repent, it's actually true. Like their heart, they're, they're, they've been humbled, right? Mm-hmm. Let's hop into some scripture so that we have a bit more context over this, uh, over King Ahab's repentance. First Kings chapter 21, verses 27 and 29. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days. I will bring the disaster upon his house. But we've heard, this is not the first time that the Lord has done this. And that is, believe it or not, that is the Lord displaying mercy on someone who otherwise did not deserve it. Understand what I'm saying? Yes, I just don't, like he keeps doing that. The Lord Mm -hmm. keeps doing that and I don't get it because how, if anything do it that it only affects him and not the family. Like, this son of his is born cursed already because his dad made a a, a mistake and now you forgive the dad, but the family is still yep. cursed. Yeah, and this is a common theme along this entire Bible lineage hmm. because at the end of the day, we really are following one line, one family line. And I know you came a little later, but it especially happened in the book of Genesis a lot. And... I may, I may not have the answer. Like I said, I'm not a pastor. Uh, I would, I'll, I'll go back and ask, or I'll ask my Bible babes on the Patreon what they think about this. But all I know is that when the Lord says things like, because X, Y, Z, this person is, has humbled, has shown actual repentance because his heart is humbled in this moment, when the Lord says, I will not uh, wreak havoc on his life, but on the, the lives of his sons, it kind of reminds me, again, this is me spitballing here. We're brainstorming because I don't have the answers. Like mm-hmm. I said, I'm just chatting with my friend. Uh, it really does remind me from even the beginning, the very, very beginning of creation, like Adam and Eve, like that, that original sin like how we're all still paying for those sins of our forefathers and stuff. I think it's more, it's representative of um, humanity and its past. And remember how I said before I made a joke, I can't scrub the internet of my past. We can't scrub our humanity past. We've done a lot of really messed up stuff. Mm. Who's going to pay for that? It's almost like a, it's like a, you can't really absolve people of their deaths, it seems like, in my religion at least, and what I study in theology. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful for you to be open enough to vocalize. I'm confused. Why, why, because you're right, why, why would the Lord continue that, that curse along the family line? It's also too important to note that King Ahab's son, the one that comes after, is just as bad or worse than his, as his father. So it's almost like it really, this is really a prophecy. 
So when you accept the Lord as a sovereign person, when, what do I say is sovereign? What do I mean? I mean, all powerful, all knowing. If life was a YouTube video and God was the person clicking on the YouTube video, he's already seen all of the timestamps. Mm-hmm. He's already seen it. So when you hear those messages of the Lord saying, I'm going to give it to their forefathers, this is coming from a sovereign God who's already seen how it, this plays out. Uh, I'm trying mm. to, I'm trying to dissect this a bit, but anywho, we could go on and on. And I think it's, it's an interesting topic and I would love to hear what the Bible babes have to say about this. Do you have anything to add, Clara? No, I was just thinking maybe it's a little bit like, como uh, eradicating because you said uh, King Ahab's son is as bad or even worse than mm-hmm. him. So maybe the only thing that would make sense to me is if genetically, let's say genetically, they're cursed because they're coming out as like bad, like evil people. Once you spot one, kill it's like, all it's of like a them. Cancer. Yeah, like kill all of the bad cells. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't. Like, You're not wrong, Clara. Yeah, that's it. Bit, yeah, it's the it, only thing that makes sense. Hey, man, that's really dope. Two brains, two heads are better than one. Very good, Clara. We are at the third act of today's episode. And we've approached 1 Kings chapter 22, the last chapter. And y'all, there's so much like dense text there. Um, Please read it. I won't have time to uh, review it now, but I'll say something in, in summation of it. Uh, there ends up becoming, or there ends up being a war that turns up when King Ahab is king. And at this point, King Ahab knows that if he's going to fight anybody, he's going to need like, he's going to need his Southern brethren, you know, in Judah. And, uh, I believe that this was at the war at Ramoth Gilead and the Lord also obviously compels Jehoshaphat, who's king in the south, to come up and help them, you know, help them fight. I think it's with the Syrians. So they go into war, they start, and the Syrians literally see Jehoshaphat, and they're about to kill Jehoshaphat, thinking that it's that it's uh, King Ahab. But then Jehoshaphat lets out a big cry, revealing that that's not Ahab. And yo... The second they realize that that wasn't uh, Jehoshaphat, I kid you not, this is literally what the book, the Bible tells us. Some guy randomly, randomly pulls out like a bow and arrow. Was it a bow and arrow? We'll get to the contest when I tell you. But like they end up killing King Ahab. By the way, King Ahab was in a disguise. Oh, And a man just randomly picked and got him. It just reminds, ooh, it kind of gives me the chills because it reminds me, it don't matter how you disguise yourself. It don't matter how to, it, it don't matter if it's an accident. Mm. What's coming to you is coming to you and it's going to come to you. You know? Ooh, it, it, let's hop into some uh, um, scripture for some context. First Kings chapter 22, verses 33 to 38. I may skip around. And when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Ahab got got. 
And the battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until at evening he died, and the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. And then we just keep reading. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria, and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and the prostitutes washed themselves in it, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. Girl, what's with that face? You, the, prostitutes the prostitutes washed themselves in the blood? Listen, girl, listen, girl, they're freaks. Oh, okay, sorry, now that's too much. The prostitutes have been doing a whole lot more. What? Showering yourself in blood? You don't know what they're into? They're pagans. <laughs> you well. know the people have been doing all them stuff. They see blood and they're like, ooh, uh, wealth. I don't Kings know. Blood. Okay. You know what I'm saying? When you're when people are godless, they go to crystals. <laughs> they, they go to rocks. They go to and, and that's not me. I don't want to like. Uh, I don't. Okay, hold on. There may be someone listening to me who really does see value in crystals. I don't want to. Aff- Clara's eye rolling. Clara's rolling yes, her eyes. That's yes. not me. That's not me. Yes, because they might see some virtue on them, but it's not a god telling them something to follow. <laughs> I know, I know, but I don't want people who actually like crystals to like, I don't want to crap on their crystals. People like crystals. Okay. Yeah, people believe in what they need to believe. That's what I always defend, but okay. it's bullshit. But I mean, what can we do? <sighs> um, <laughs> you guys know I'm teasing. You guys know I'm teasing. I'm not teasing. Where was I? Oh, yes. Let's talk about this. So uh, Ahab's evil son, uh, Ahaziah, takes over after Ahab uh, obviously dies. Um, and you can uh, find that in 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 51 to 52. Uh, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father. And I mean, I'm talking about Ahaziah did so much. I mean, I'm talking about he brought up more about all prophets and more, just so much more stuff. He only reigned for two years. And at this point, uh, Elijah, again, still, he's a, oh, at this point, Elijah wants to die tomorrow, but not even because he wants to, because he's so old. You know what I'm saying? He's like, tired. He's tired. He's incontinent. Like he can't, he can't keep, what's going on? So he has a little bit more to denounce uh, Ahaziah and announces his death in uh, uh, Second Kings, actually, uh, verse uh, chapter one, verse 17. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Um, speaking of Ahaziah, Ahab's son that followed him. But because Ahaziah, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, because he died without having any kids, he, there was no less in line. But his brother, his brother was going to take the next, mm. uh, the next, um, next in line in the throne, mm-hmm. Jehoram. But they also call him Jehoram, Jehoram. I don't know. They spell different translations spell his name differently. Mm. That's what I'll say. But for now, let's say Jehoram. Okay. Um, Jeroram became king in his place in the second year of Jeroram, the son of whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in short, Ahaziah's brother ends up taking over. Mm-hmm. Cool. And this ends up being such a big problem because high tangy, not high tangy. We'll talk about this a little bit more next episode. But uh, Elisha ends up 
succeeding Elijah. Finally, Elijah dies and he dies in this. It was like, honestly, the most poetic thing I've ever seen. Like, you know, Elijah tells Elisha, Elisha, Ashanti, mm. tells Elijah, Jarul, please, whatever, whatever wisdom you have, you have, please double it for like, can you pour yourself into me, please? Aww. And he like, let's like, because at this point they've been training for years now, mm -hmm. you know, he was trying to really um, um, train Elisha to be even better than Elijah, you know? Oh, it makes me cry. But um, uh, in that moment, uh, Elijah is quite literally taken to the heavens. Like he ends up like, again, David Blaine, um, like a flames and stuff. It's very, very beautiful. You know, the Bible does that sometimes. And um, that's how we know that Elisha is like formally, properly, like the next in line because Elijah has graduated to his next level, mm. which is, you know, death. And uh, Elisha's net first order of business is correcting what's, now he's ready to get to work. You know, he's mourned now. He, he was really, really sad that Elijah had passed, but that is life. In life, you're gonna mourn. Everyone we know is gonna, gonna die. Hate to sound morose, but it's At true. At some point, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he says, the next person who's going to be king is Jehu. But remember, this is the prophecy that even Elijah knew, remember? Mm -hmm. He's just executing what Elijah already told him to do, what the Lord has prophesied, what the Lord has promised everybody. Mm -hmm. Queen Jezebel is so pissed because she's still around, guys. She ain't dead yet. She actually ends up being alive for like 10 years after Ahab dies. Because remember, wow. first uh, uh, Ahab's first son, gets into power, dies after two years. He's so bad. And then his brother, Jehoram, so then Jehoram ends up being the next in line, or he's so he's supposed to. But Elisha knows that that's not the case because the Lord said that Jehu was to be appointed the next king of Israel. Mm -hmm. And that ends up sparking a, a big uh, uh, civil war because uh, Queen Jezebel's pissed about that. She's like, my son's supposed to be the next in line. And uh. anyways, her son, Jehoram, ends up dying at war, like dying. And this girl, Queen Jezebel, knows that she is crapped out of luck, okay? Nice. Oh, this is so funny because Jay, who ends up turning, turn, turns up to Queen Jezebel's lair to her chambers, right? He's outside of the window, actually. And he goes, Hey, yo, Jezzy, Jezziana. Hey, y'all, bust down, Jezziana. Why don't you, uh, why don't you come on down so we can kill you? <laughs> and she goes, She like dresses up too. She puts her Met Gala stuff on too, okay. and she ends up taunting him. She like makes fun of him. I feel like she knows she's about to get it, but she's like, let me say one last thing. You know what I'm saying? She's petty. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. And then Jehu from downstairs, because not Jehu's king, right? Jehu, she's in her, in her chambers with eunuchs. You know what eunuchs are? Yep. From literally from Game of Thrones. That's how I. They're know it, yeah. castrated officials. Their job is in in biblical times and ancient times is to surround or protect like the wives or widows or daughters. That's what that's what essentially what a eunuch's job mm. was. So Jehu, this trabajo, like from below, he he orders the eunuchs to throw her out the window. <gasps> Shut up. Jehu goes, "Hey yo, throw Jeziana out the window. Time's up." Throw her. She hasn't come down. Throw her out the window. And they do that, Jay! What? Yes! Wait, let me guess the scripture. I told you this is good. 
it's yeah. good. It's good. Okay, this so let's wild. go to some scripture. Um, but this is Second Kings. I gave you a little bonus before we ended the episode because I was going to save this for next week, but I decided to put it in. So Second Kings, uh, chapter nine, verses thirty to thirty-seven. Now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Then, as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri? Un insulto, le está diciendo, remember Zimri? A murder of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. And when he had gone in, he ate and drank. Then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman, and bury her, for she was the daughter's king. She was the a daughter. Uh, she was the daughter of a king. Mm-hmm. So she is to be buried. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore, they came back and told him. And he said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, on the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuse on the surface of the field in the plot of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, here lies Jezebel. Wow. So anyways, it ended up coming to pass because the Lord's promises always come to pass. Yeah. So on that note, now let's get to moral of the story. Moral of the story is... God's promises can result in one of three sensations. They can be self-affirming, they can bring peace of mind, or they can be utterly terrifying. Point is, God's promises always come to pass, good or bad. What's more important to note is that God is merciful, even with his own promises. God doesn't want to see his children in pain, I mean, look at King Ahab. Ahab was legit the Lord's least favorite evil king. And even he was afforded mercy after he repented. Listen, scripture tells us, the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days. The Bible shows us that God's promises are deep, profound truths that are carefully stowed away within all of us, but they can be found if you're looking, if you're listening closely, but you may need something, something like a, I don't know, like a spiritual metal detector. Listen, If you search the beaches of your soul long enough, deep enough, that metal detector will find things. And what you find will either be self-affirming, peaceful, or terrifying. Either way, it's the truth. Well, 
Here's to finding our truths, babes. Ooh. Hey, Father. How'd I do? <laughs> oh, amazing. Yes, I decided to look like a, a Princess Peach or a, a Benadryl pill. I don't know. I don't know what to call it, Father. But you know what? It's cute. And I tried to hide my boobs with the mic. Oh, I thought you would like that. Anyways, how you doing? Uh -huh.